you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. Morning, Lifeway. Hey, hey. Let me do a couple of things before we get going. First, I want to shout out to all those that are serving this morning. All those that are serving the children, all those that showed up early, all those that cleaned up yesterday, all those that were making adjustments at the very last minute, all those that make everything happen. Let's just give a big round of applause. Thank you so much. We appreciate. You know, this morning as we were praying and getting ready for the service, I just, this word just became large. Every time I, every time I said it in prayer, reward, reward, reward. Reward. Now, listen, we don't do what we do looking for a reward, but God sees everything you do, and he rewards you accordingly. So I just want to thank you guys for making life so enjoyable. You know, it, hard work is good, but when you see the result of somebody's life changed, wow. So everybody that serves on a team, we appreciate you, and I want to invite you with that. If you want to lead a life group to meet us next Sunday after the service, immediately, like the, the video said, uh, if, if you want to host a life group, we can teach you how to do that. You don't have to have a, a, a doctorate in theology and be able to answer every question. You know, if you just like to get people together and, and, and have them over to your house and feed them a cookie, you can even go and buy Chips Ahoy cookies at the store, you know. You don't even have to come up with your recipe or just invite somebody. I don't know why I'm talking about food. Let's see. (laughs) Are you hungry? (laughs) Are you hungry spiritually, right? Are we ready? Turn over to Revelation chapter 3, and let me invite you to one more thing. First of all, Life Groups is is starting up. We're changing our format. So as you remember, when we started Life Groups, our small group ministry, we were using particular curriculum by John Bevere, and it was awesome, it was great, but we're going to change up the format a little bit. So it's going to be new, it's going to be revamped, it's going to be wonderful, and I want you to be involved. If you have a desire to become involved, meet us next Sunday after the service, and we'll let you know all the details. Also, this coming Wednesday, we're getting together again for part two of Fresh Start. It's going to be 10 weeks. We started last week. It was a great group. Listen, everybody, we sat in a circle and everybody pitched in, everybody uh, connected and engaged, and it was awesome. It, it, it's a, it's a, essentially a small group that meets on Wednesday. But listen, if it grows to 30, 40, 50, we'll have multiple small groups here in this building, and we'll just enjoy what God is doing in Fresh Start. Fresh Start, the title of the, of the series says it all. So you'll have to come. I'm not going to tell you anymore. Are you over at Revelation chapter 3? All right, let's pray, and then we're going to get into what would Jesus undo. What a title. Lord, thank you so much for getting us interested in your word. We're here, Father, and we have experienced your presence. And we're so glad that wherever we come, whenever we come, in the name of Jesus, that you always show up. You always outdo yourself, Lord. We thank you that your presence is here. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to us, lead us, guide us, change us from the inside out. We prepare our hearts to hear the word. We declare that we're good ground, good soil, 
that we receive the seed of the word in order to produce fruit. We thank you, we honor you, and, and we give you praise for the results, for the fruit in advance. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, 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 amen. So, this series for four weeks, four weeks, what would Jesus undo? Now, how many of you remember, or maybe you had this little band that you wore around your wrist a few years ago, WWJD, what would Jesus do? That came from a, a book that was written by a pastor uh, in 1896, Charles Sheldon. You can look it up. You can actually buy a book if you want to. You can probably buy one of the first editions and pay a bunch of money for it, but uh, it was a classic. And... Um, it, it, the title of it is In His Step. And the premise of the book was, what if Jesus lived in our city, in, in our town, and, and, and he walked where we walk, and he, he actually did life with us, and, and what would he do in every situation that we face? And that was, a good, that was a good thought, right? What would Jesus do if he walked in my place every day in 2019? What would he do? But this is going to be a little bit different series because we're going to look at the other side of that. What would Jesus undo? What would Jesus undo? It's a little twist, right? Um, what would Jesus undo? In other words, what would Jesus get rid of in my life? And so this week we're going to talk about the subject of indifference. Indifference. Spiritual indifference. Uh, next week is going to be hollow worship. The week after, week three is going to be hypocrisy. And the last week is going to be spiritual pride. Wow. What would Jesus undo? So let's imagine together that you wanted to bless someone that you love dearly. And that person uh, that you love, that special someone, you, you spent time and effort to find out what they like and you want to buy them a present and you looked high and low and you you searched and scoured amazon for weeks weeks and weeks and then you went over to ebay and scoured for weeks to find this special thing and and you were willing to pay whatever it costs to 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 make this person just love this gift you know and some people say well you know my love language is all five of them right <laughs> But I really like, up there at the top is giving gifts and receiving gifts. Gifts are wonderful. They're awesome. Listen, God gave us a gift. But let's, let's think about if we gave this gift and purchased this gift and looked and searched for this gift and we gave it to our, our special someone and they said, oh, okay, and just left it there. Didn't open it, walked away, and just kind of ignored our gift. Wow, that's the feeling of indifference. There it sits, never open, just indifferent. Imagine Jesus as he steps out of heaven. He understands the call before him. He leaves what's holy to come to what's unholy, to endure the sacrifice, the temptation, the testing, the trying, enduring the torture. He gives his life for you. We have the word at our fingertips. 
versions upon versions and apps upon apps at our fingertips. We have access to God through the name of Jesus. We just sang about it in prayer. God changes us with, and, and, and gives to us spiritual purpose. He, puts, he imparts His Spirit into us. Gives us the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And He lives in us and walks through us and we go day by day and moment by moment without giving Him a second thought. That indifference is what I'm going to be talking about this morning. That spiritual apathy. How many times does he cross your mind in a day? Meh. Meh. M-E-H. Meh. That's a new word. It, it actually entered into the Collins English Dictionary in 2008. The word meh. M-E-H. Meh. Some, some people like to uh, pin it or uh, connect it with uh, the Simpsons. Meh. It's a, an expression of indifference. That's what the Collins, Collins English Dictionary says. It's an ex, in, expression of indifference or boredom. Apathy. Uninterested. I don't know if, if any of you notice the new emojis on your phone. But there's one that has the the shrug of the shoulder. And I've used it, and I'm like, meh, meh. You know, your wife cooks you a nice dinner, and guys are like, meh, meh. <laughs> Don't do that, meh. When your wife prepares you your favorite, right? Meh. But we have a society, and we're living in a time where people are like, meh. Nothing phases them. Nothing impresses them. I mean, how many reality shows do we have with miracles? Now there's this new one out. That gives, that, that the whole purpose of this reality show is to give you goosebumps. I don't know if you saw the commercials through the, uh, the Super Bowl. There was a, a commercial for it. To, and the whole purpose of it is so that we can feel these goosebumps. Why? Because we're getting desensitized. We're becoming indifferent to everything. Nothing phases us. Like Jesus faced this attitude of, show me a miracle. Show me a miracle and I'll believe. And Jesus said, blessed are those who, have, who believe and have not seen. Right? How many miracles does it take for you to believe? What level of apathy are we facing personally? Guys, let's, let's think about not the other person next to you or not the other person that didn't make it to church today or stayed home or is not walking with the Lord right now. But let's think about us, the spiritual indifference that we, we, we see in our life. We, sometimes we call it we've lost our first love. Right? Revelation, it talks about losing our first love. We, we could say that we, we lost our fire or we have a lack of fire or our passion and our zeal is just not there. Or we've become, here's a good word, detached. 
detached. Husbands and wives are married years upon years upon years, and over 30 years you look at each other, and, and the question is, do you love me? Why would you ask that question? Because somewhere along the way, you sense that the love is not there, right? The indifference, the apathy. Look at Revelation chapter 3 and verse 15. Now, let me, before I read that, I'm going to tell you about Laodicea. Laodicea was one of the churches that Jesus addressed, one of the seven churches that Jesus addressed in Revelation. John, the beloved, the disciple of Jesus, wrote the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus, but Jesus spoke to this church called Laodicea. It was in the city of Laodicea, and the city of Laodicea was very wealthy. There were, there were theaters there. I mean, this is thousands of years ago. There was a stadium there in Laodicea. They had lavish public baths, spas. Today we have spas. You can go around the corner and get your nails done, get to tan, and get in the spa. Right? Very advanced for its day, Laodicea. There were shopping centers in Laodicea. They had shopping, probably the first mall, Mall of Laodicea. Very advanced. And so in this city, they thought it would be great to bring the, the waters of the surrounding areas. So they piped in water from Colossae and Hierapolis. Two places. Colossae was in the mountains and it had cold water. And the, the cold water was refreshing. You know, cold water always refreshes. And, they, and so they wanted the cold water to come into the city and they would use it to refresh. And then the, the water from Hierapolis, you have to be Greek to, to, to say that, Hierapolis, Hierapolis, yeah, the, the more I say it, the worse it gets, right? That was the joke of the day, hot springs, that's better, hot springs, hot springs, hot, they're bringing hot spring, hot water into the city, so cold from this area, hot from that area. But the problem was there was a distance between the source and the city. And by the time the cold water got there or by the time the hot water got there, it had cooled down or warmed up to lukewarm. And this is what Jesus was talking about here at Laodicea. He says this, I know your deed, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. That's Revelation 3.15. And so, listen, the cold water had purpose and the hot water had purpose. So Jesus is wanting them to have purpose. And because they lost their purpose, they weren't either cold or hot. They weren't doing their job. They were tepid. They were spiritually stale. They were depressingly detached. God says, it doesn't just break my heart, it turns my stomach. Makes me want to vomit. Makes me want to spit you out of my mouth. These are pretty stout words. Now, God is a God of love, but he loves us so much. He, he, he warns us 
when we're not where we should be, right? He doesn't want us to be indifferent. So there's really two uh, main causes. There's other, but there's two main causes of spiritual indifference that we want to look at this morning. Number one, self-sufficient. Self-sufficiency. Revelation 3, chapter 3 and verse 17. That next, very next verse. He said, you, you need to be hot or cold. Either way, uh, Otherwise, I just want to, makes me want to vomit. Makes me want to spit you out of my mouth. But then in, in verse 17, it says, you say, hey, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth and I do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. So what were they saying? I'm rich. I've acquired wealth. I don't need anything. Kind of like today when people say, I got this. I got this. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I got this. I got my coffee. Just dropped by Starbucks. I even ordered on the way to Starbucks with my iPhone. I got this. I got Amazon Prime. I've got a delivery coming every day. It lets me know. It dings me on my phone before the delivery shows up at the door. And then I've got the bell at the front door that detects the motion when the dude brings the box and shows me a picture of it, sends me to my email. I got this. I'm good. I got this. I'm really good. I've got everything that I need. I got my Snuggie. Anybody got a Snuggie? <laughs> I was wearing my Snuggie the other night and almost slept on the couch till 2 o'clock in the morning. You, know, it get, you get so comfortable, you even forget where you're at. You wake up in the middle of the night and you're sleeping on the couch and you're like, I should be in bed here. No. Right? Indifference, apathy, when we've got it, we made it. This self-made woman, self-made man. When we don't need any help, we've got our IRA and our 401k. And we good. We got that. Right? You can have worldly wealth, but at the same time be spiritually bankrupt. You can spend so much time counting your blessings that you don't have time to be a blessing to anyone. And this is what we're talking about. This self-sufficiency. I've got this. I'm all good. I'm all that. Our lives can be full of stuff and at the same time empty of meaning. What good is all the material stuff in the world if you're not passionate about God's purpose for your life? This self-sufficiency that says, I need God when I need God, but when God needs me, all he finds is my little doorbell camera where nobody's home, but I can see him knocking but I'm just too busy right now, Lord. I've got this, I've got that. Don't you see my schedule? How can I do one more thing? I'm stressed out to the max. Self-sufficient. We're so booked up and our agendas are so full of, of the things that we want to do. When God says, I need you over here, you're like, hey, 
That doesn't fit. I'm good. I need God when I need him. Then when he needs me, meh. Listen, God has more for you this year. There's some things in your life that you haven't experienced until now. God wants to break through to you in 2019 like never before. He has some things that you haven't done yet. You may think you have the t-shirt of everything. Done that, been there, got the t-shirt, or vice versa, been there. You got to go there to do that, to get the t-shirt, right? But there's some t-shirts that God has for you this year that you haven't got. There's so much more that God has in store for you. Amen? So what is ahead in your 2019? What's ahead in your 2019? Because our best plans are so far short of what God has planned for us. Our self-sufficiency is insufficient. The number two thing, I think, that causes spiritual indifference is are the distractions of this world. We, 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 it seems like we hit on this all the time because this world is so distracting and we are so distracted in this world. If you look at Mark chapter 4 and verse 19, talking about the soil and the seed and how the seed in the right soil at the right place produces the right fruit. God wants us to be fruitful, but first of all, we have to receive the seed and then before that, really, our soil has to be prepared. And so Mark, 14, 4, Mark 4, verse 19 says, But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness, is, uh, deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So you can see from this verse, there, there are desires of two things. There's a desire for the word, and then there's a desire for other things. So if you're not seeing the word produce fruit in your life, guess what? That only leaves one thing. You have more desire for the thing than you do than the word. The word. Right? And all of us, all of us have bills to play, pay, bills to play, bills to pay, games to play, candy crush. Hey, words with friends. Don't friend me. I'm not going to play. Hey, don't have time. Right? Focused on the kingdom. But listen, people to meet, agendas. Everybody wants to meet you. Everybody wants to have lunch with you. Everybody wants to go somewhere and do something. Right? right? All the time. If I said yes to everything, I, w I wouldn't have time for God. It's just reality, guys. We, we all have this. Selfies to take. I mean, every time you turn around, you, you're, you have to learn about Instagram stories and Facebook stories. And if you want to keep up with that social media rat race, I've got to be out there. I've got to be out there. People are doing things. They're going places and doing things. And I've got to do it, too. I've got a selfie. Hey, hey, I'm at church. Right? And I did. I'm sitting up here in worship, and I checked in as the pastor at Facebook. I checked into the church. I said, I'm here, I'm here, I'm expecting. You know? I talked with David Scott. He was in the hospital last week. He reminded me that there's somebody on the other end of that camera that needs to hear the word. He said last week, 
He was trying to hear the word. It was, he had it up to his ear. He's in the hospital. He needed to hear the word. It was something going on with his heart, but he needed the word. What a great illustration. And these things are all great. I'm saying these things are great. But how much great pushes God out of the way? Distraction. At what point does it become a distraction? You got the dishes, you got the laundry, you got to take the kids to practice. You got to get the old changed in your car, you got PTA. How about the distraction of saving the whales? Saving the unborn? Let me just digress here. Yes, it's very, very important that we stand up for what we, be- what we believe in. But God's bigger than you are. And he can fight this battle better than you can. And it might touch you to your heart and to your, the very core of your being. But be careful about spending so much time trying to defend a cause that you're not giving any time to the Lord. Saving the whales and recycling plastic and making sure that everybody washes their aluminum full before they put it in the recycle bin. Because we don't want to contaminate the earth and we don't want to punch holes in the ozone. Just saying. Look at this quote. Feeling numb isn't the absence of feeling, but the sensation of feeling too much at once. Feeling numb isn't the absence of feeling, but the sensation of feeling too much at once. And we've all been there. You've got so many things coming at you from all sides that it just confuses you and causes you to go, you know, I give. You know you're really bad. You know you're at that place when you, when you sit down to put on your socks. And if you can't get them on, you just about lose been a couple of times I've been there. The Lord will check me and say, hey, you got too much on your plate. You need to spend some time with me. More time with him will help you beat this spiritual indifference, this apathy that we, we all deal with. We all deal with. If we spend more time on social media than we do in the living word, we will slip into this apathy and indifference. And it's easy to slip in. But you've got to do something to get out of it. Look, here's, here's kind of a checklist. Of, of, I'm going to go down this checklist. It's in your notes there. I failed to mention that, but by now you already know that you can get the notes. Lifeway.church forward slash 2-10-19. Today's date, you can look at the notes. If you're living in a lukewarm state, here's how you tell. If you're more concerned with impressing people than living for God. Timothy talks about being lovers of self. Jesus even said, woe to you when people speak well of you. If your only objective is to impress people, then you could be living in spiritual apathy and indifference. How about if we're obsessed with life on earth rather than eternity? Everything that matters is in the here and now. I've got to tell everybody what I'm doing, else they won't know. 
If I don't tell them what I'm doing, then they won't know. And everything that I'm doing right now counts. And so I have to pat myself on the back so everybody will know that I'm doing wonderful things on this earth. No, no, there will be a day when all of eternity will reveal what we did on this earth. And how many scriptures do we have in the, in the word of God that point us to eternity? To not be so earthly minded, but to focus our attention on things above. Even the Bible says that if, if, if we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. We could be indifferent spiritually if we rationalize sin and live without truly fearing God. Here's how you rationalize sin. Well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. And here's another one. I'm not hurting anyone. Oh, I'm just stealing from the company by putting more time on my timesheet than I'm supposed to. But I'm not hurting anyone. I'm just doing this one thing, rationalizing sin. Or if we say, well, you know, selfishness isn't big. You know, everybody gossips. Or I'm just looking at a little porn. doesn't hurt. It's not illegal because it's not a certain type. Come on. Here's, a, here's another indicator. We believe in Jesus, but we rarely share our faith. Jesus even said, you know, if you, if you deny me before man, I have to deny you before my father. That's pretty strong. Here's another indicator. If we only turn to God when we need him, rather than seeking him daily, we seek him when it benefits us. He's a tool that we need to get something. Not a God that I fear and worship. Here's another indication that we could be spiritually indifferent. That we're not, not much different than the world. We watch the same movies. We enjoy the same music. We have the same morals. Everything in our life becomes watered down. And we accept before too long, we raise our kids the same way. We're chasing the almighty dollar. We're looking at the stock market 20 times a day, forgetting about the word, even when we have notifications come up on our phone. Don't forget your daily Bible reading. Come on, guys. How can I speak to this so clearly? Because I deal with it so much. I'm standing up here really transparent before you. How about when the church divorces as often as the world? This is the, the root is spiritual indifference, apathy. Detach, we become detached, guys. What would Jesus undo? We get all knotted up. What would Jesus undo? He would do undo this indifference, this apathy. So how do we reignite? Now I'm going to give you the solution. Now, that, now we went down like this. We're going to go back up. Are you ready? 
Yes. <laughs> How do we reignite our fire? How do we stir ourselves up spiritually? Look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 19. We were just talking about verse 17 here. Revelation 3, 19, it says, this is God talking to us. I correct and discipline everyone I love. This is the New Living Translation. I really like this. I correct and discipline everyone that I love. You parents, let me encourage you, discipline your children. Correct them. Why? Because you love them. And because God loves them. Because if you don't draw boundaries, they're, they're, they're going to run off the cliff. Guaranteed. God says, I correct and discipline everyone that I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Be diligent and turn from your indifference. We need to be diligent. Jesus wants us all in. All in. All in. All in. When Peter sees Jesus out on the water, he says, hey, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come. Or ask me to come to you. Jesus did not say, hey, Peter, put your toe over, check out if the water's warm enough for you, and then come if it's comfortable. No, no, no. <laughs> be it unto you. Be it to you, Peter, according to your faith. Peter's faith was, I'm walking on the water with you, Jesus. If that's you, tell me to come. There were no ifs. There were no halfway. Jesus wants us all in. All in. Not in the boat, watching people walk on the water. He wants us in the faith zone. The faith zone is where we're working with him to move mountain. Now, God doesn't expect us, when we're in this faith, faith zone, to move mountains ourselves. Because he works through us, in us, and through us. We're working with him to move the mountain that's in our way. But he wants us all in. He doesn't want us watching people move mountains. He wants to use you to move mountains. All of us face mountains, but he wants us to move mountains with him. All in, all in it to win it, right? He doesn't want us to continue to hit the spiritual snooze button. Hitting the spiritual snooze button means, yeah, but, meh, meh, meh. Did you ever notice that the more times you hit this spiritual snooze button, it's easier to roll over and hit it again? I'm not going to ask this question, but I'm not going to ask anybody to respond to this question, but I am going to ask this question. How many times did you hit the snooze button this morning? We, each of us have a spiritual snooze button. And we're likely to hit it. But my point is, the more times that we hit it, the easier it becomes to hit it. And the deeper we sink in this rut of indifference. And you know what a rut is. It's just a grave with both ends kicked out of it. So we have to stir up that spiritual fire, that passion. The rut of indifference is a result of dormant faith. So what do we need to do? What do we need to do? We need to do every day, we need to do something that requires faith. Every day, we need to do something that requires faith. Everybody say every day. We need to do something that requires faith. 
You know, the Bible says, With, without faith, we cannot please God. Why? Because God is a God of faith. He moves before he sees the answer. Right? He's calling us to do the impossible with him. He didn't, cause us, he didn't call us to do the impossible without him. But when he says move, we move. When he says come, we come. Doesn't matter what the wind or the water looks like. Notice, notice when in this, this picture of Peter walking on the water, Jesus did not uh, come against Peter. or He, he didn't, he didn't uh, correct Peter for stepping out of the boat. He, focused, he refocused Peter and he said, Peter, don't look at the wind and the wave. He wants us to walk on the water, but we have to walk on the water in faith. We need to let the Spirit of God lead us to do something that we can never do on our own. That's what the walk of faith is. That's what the life of faith is. Something that without Him, it is destined to fail. The life of faith stirs up the fire in your life so that the spirit of indifference, that attitude of indifference, that attitude of apathy is broken. Stir up your faith. I believe that this message is stirring up your faith right now. Here's some examples of how to do something in faith every day. Look for a gift. We were talking about gifts. People love gifts. You love gifts. You know why I can say you love gifts? Because you love Jesus. Jesus was the greatest gift to ever receive. And we love gifts from God. We love. And God is a good father and he loves to give good gifts. So if we begin to pray, God will stretch us and expand us and extend us out beyond our own little selfish world so that we're giving gifts to people that could never repay us things that only God knows that those people want. The Holy Spirit can lead you to give a gift to someone that will absolutely 100% change their life and open the door for Jesus to come rushing in their life. But that kind of giving, that kind of attitude requires us to live in a life of faith. To, to challenge yourself to do something by faith, in faith, every day that you didn't do before. Here's another one. Forgiving somebody that continues to do you wrong. Now, if you work outside the home, maybe if you work inside, people do things to you that really tick you off, right? Think about it. Now, you don't have to name names. Maybe you want to write down the name of that person. But you have to walk in forgiveness by faith every day, right? That is a life of faith. Now, you can choose to allow that unforgiveness to build up and that bitterness and that to build up. But that bitterness will cause spiritual indifference, will cause apathy. How about standing up for someone that everyone else makes fun of? Taking up someone else's call. Putting yourself in their position and standing up for them. That takes faith. That takes you outside of yourself. That stirs up a spiritual passion. 
How about exposing yourself to something that stirs your heart to compassion? Maybe some injustice that's being done. Like this issue of, of abortion. Exposing yourself, but not fighting in the flesh. Beginning to pray for those people that it, who the enemy has blinded their mind and blinded their eyes. Let, let me just digress here a little bit. If we're not careful as the church, we can answer this. We can react instead of respond. We can, we can react in the flesh to this issue of abortion and do more damage than we can healing. Our nation is in need of healing. Our nation is in need of the love of God. So we have to be very careful and sensitive to walk in the spirit and not get led off in the flesh. Because the enemy will use this as a tactic to draw carnal Christians off into this arena of fighting in the flesh, and it will backfire on us. You guys, you understand what I'm saying here? I'm not saying that we shouldn't stand up, but we should stand in the spirit. We should pray, we, we should practice Second Chronicles 7.14. Listen, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves first, humble themselves, and seek my faith, and turn from our wicked ways, then God, is, who is bigger than we are, will hear from heaven, and he will heal our land. Right? How about using your faith every day for praying for something that man calls impossible? A miracle. We just sang about it this morning. Miracles are happening all around us. But I find that miracles happen to those who extend their faith and connect their faith with God's work, miracle working power. It is God's power and it's his will and his desire to work miracles, but they don't happen just because it's his will. They work in, re, in, 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 in relation to the faith that we extend. Living a life of faith. Stirring ourselves up to trust God beyond what we can see, beyond what feels comfortable, beyond what is in our little world. God set us on this earth to make an impact in the lives of all the people that we come in contact with every day, everywhere we are, whether it's our neighborhood, whether it's our job, wherever God sends us, he's called us to make an impact. So why does this matter? Because faith without works is dead. And when we're not using our faith, we die. We're not using our faith, we die. We don't use our faith this day, we die. We regress. We experience more and more passivity, negativity, indifference, apathy, and we become detached. So the way to stir ourselves up spiritually and rekindle that fire is to be intentional about using our faith. Be intentional. It stirs up life. Every time you use your faith, why? Because God is God of life and he operates in faith. So when we operate in faith, we bring life. When you show up on, on your job tomorrow, people are wanting to hear words that are positive. Why? Because they've, they've, if they drive an hour to work, they listen to negative news all the way there. 
on top of everybody that just pulled out in front of them. <laughs> right? Be the solution. Be positive. Be full of faith. Amen. So what's your strategy? What's your strategy? God gave Joshua a strategy. Joshua had a, a wall that he was facing. He had an army of people that he was leading into this place called the promised land. And there were things that were keeping him out. But God gave him a strategy. God, God's going to give you a strategy. Let everybody stand. Stand. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. And remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.